This is Who You Know. Today I bring you a conversation with a humorist, writer, actor, uh, and fake judge, I guess, uh, John Hodgman. Uh, I've known John uh, since high school when we worked together at the Coolidge Corner Theater in Brookline. Um, And this is, I think, a a good, easy conversation. Uh, I don't think we once discussed uh, his famous uh, Apple TV ad or uh, really talked that much about his uh, showbiz career. Uh, And yet uh, we filled an hour plus very easily. Hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Clean feed, they call it. Clean feed, yes. <laughs> never heard of it. What's that? Never heard of it, but no. I'm, I'm glad. I said I've never heard of it, but I'm glad it works for you. Yeah. Or works well enough. <laughs> it, it seems to. It seems to. And yeah, let's keep our fingers crossed. <laughs> Dimitri, you sound fantastic, and it's nice to hear your voice. How are you? Likewise. I'm, I am doing okay. I've spent, I've spent all day and the last three days most of the last three days, uh, reformatting and re relaunching my fucking newsletter because mm-hmm. this is these are the things that I decide that I have to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me say I enjoy your newsletter every time I get it. Thank you. <laughs> so um, I I hope uh, I I know sometimes that when one makes things and puts them out in the world, you wonder. Is anyone getting it? Anyone receiving the signal? I am it, receiving the signal. I appreciate I that. It. Yeah, it's. I mean, it, there. I I realized this long long ago. I mean, it's been. Let's see. Yeah, going on seven and a half years that it's been a really mm-hmm. regular kind of thing, this yeah. newsletter. Yeah. But each each time I have to change something to it, like there's. It, it's totally an, an internal and aesthetic or whatever. Like it's, it's another fucking art project, you know, it's another art project. God it, damn it. You can't get away from them. I know. I, I keep art projects. I actually, I, I recorded one of these with another old friend who like, you know, was like the joke was like, you figure out another whole new way of not making money, you know, like, <laughs> and sure. that that's really labor intensive and right. We'll probably and yeah, in this this latest iteration, I've decided. Well, part of the part of the decision is to make myself less work because, since, the two years ago when I switched to one of the pay platforms, you know, for yeah. first Substack, then this Ghost, which I just quit, am quit in the process of quitting. I, I've been writing two two letters a week. So like the there are people one who, for each platform. No, 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 two, oh. two for the same. Oh, but like there's a there was a few people that signed up and paid, which obligated me to write a second letter a week, which came out Thursdays, mm. and it stretch uh, goals. Yeah, <laughs> bonuses. Yeah, all that shit. Uh, uh-huh. uh, which yeah, I've just realized has worn me out, and it's stretched stretched it has stretched it stretched me thin you know yeah uh stretch me i know and i also i don't uh i do wonder about 
you know, people reading and it's nice when somebody writes back or whatever, but I also have systematically removed as many of the statistics or like kind of the things that measure these, like how many people mm -hmm. opened it or something, because having that information in my head is nothing, but it does nothing but lead to really, really bad thoughts, mm -hmm. very mm -hmm. dark thinking, you know? Mm -hmm. and measuring mm -hmm. and comparing, right. which, you know, I mean, the whole internet is kind of geared for it, but. Yeah, exactly. It's just, a, it's just like a, an airline points system mm -hmm. applied to everything in our lives, including our emotions. I mean, yeah, I mean, I know somebody who wrote a whole book about that, but. Well, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that's true. <laughs> but it's just, you know, like the gamification of every aspect of our yeah of our lives and then we just we just end up feeling behind you know well that's what the... it's for I right mean... exactly yeah we don't measure up we don't measure up to what we should be doing and we're using out exterior uh metrics when and we forget about our interior metrics yeah it's I also... not a good feeling this is another thing that came up in a, a recent recording or talk is this whole idea, I mean, I'm not, I didn't go to real school. I went to art school, so I don't know much about mm -hmm. economics, but I don't understand this whole, the capitalism idea of like growth, the why, why it has, things right. have to grow. What if you get to a point where you're, you like the way things are and say, you know, you can pay your bills. Why is it right. considered failure to stay at that, at that level? You know what Absolutely. I mean? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it makes <laughs> It makes no sense to, at any level, to constantly focus on growth, particularly capital growth. Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, you the you look at what's happened to the planet. It's because of that philosophy. If you are not growing, you are failing. Right. Sustaining is good. Sustaining is great. Yeah. Sustaining is terrific. And I remember. Did I ever take you to a place called Shopsons in New York? I don't know when the last time we've seen each other in New York is. No, mostly. Um, you know, I've never Chicago. been to Shopsons, but there was a movie about that. There was a documentary. A document, there was a documentary. I like Killing I like Flies. Killing I love. Flies. I yeah. love that movie. I I never got mm -hmm. to go there. I never got to go. So yeah. So in that. So for the for the. This is what's going to go out, right? We haven't. Oh yeah. This, oh right? yeah. Okay, yeah. Good. I was about <laughs> to say. We're, lo we're leaving a lot of we're leaving a lot on the table if we're not going to put this out on your feed. Oh yeah, well, all, uh, all, all my who... all my verticals and horizontals and right, exactly. Whatever. For diagonals, those of you who, yeah. <laughs> who don't know, I mean, you can Google it. Shopsons, S O H, no, S H O P S I N apostrophe yeah. S is a a lunch counter that was in New York City that was. Founded by Kenny and Eve Shopson, both of whom, sadly, are no longer living, mm -hmm. um, but is still run by their kids, um, who are as equally eccentric, opinionated, brilliant, and loud as mm -hmm. their parents were. Good. In, in their each in their individual ways. And Kenny Shopson, they made a, a documentary about Kenny Shopson. Um, I think the guy's name was Matt Mahurin. I met That's, him one time. That sounds right. Yeah. But I actually anyways, saw that, I, I saw like that in a flies. movie theater here. I saw that. Really? Yeah. In a, How long ago? I mean, when it came out. Uh, yeah. Or a it's year. It's not two. available. 
anywhere. Oh, it's right not. Now. That sucks. No, things it things really fall does. through the cracks. They really do. It, it really does. Yeah. Um, but I think that they're. I think they're. They're getting it, getting it out there. I heard from Kenny's daughter Melinda. I think she was saying, yeah, that we're we're figuring out a way to get it out there. Not that the family owns it or anything, but they want to. Yeah. You know, they, sure. they want it to be out there. And they made this documentary about this very eccentric and foul-mouthed guy, and like you know, in in his era of Shopsons, which only only ended with his death, I would say about five, four, four years ago, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, he 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 had a lot of philosophies about how people should enjoy themselves. Yeah, and he he would enforce those philosophies right with an iron fist. So if you came in there with a cell phone, particularly. In mm. the, 90s and early 2000s you would just get kicked out right if if you only parties of four were allowed because kenny thought that that was the maximum number of people who could sit at a table and have a a real conversation and he wanted people to have real conversations and to engage with humans yeah and there are other rules too and and yet for all of this for all of this sort of like <laughs> bluster, he was also one of the sweetest and kindest people and one of the smartest people I'd ever met. Mm-hmm. And I rem- the reason that they were able, uh, Matt Mahurin was able to make that documentary was that they lost the re- they lost the uh, lease on right. They had to move, location. right? Isn't wasn't move. that the right because the, it had been there on Barrow Street? I want to say. Oh no, that's not right, Bedford in the West Village since the 70s. And John Belushi would go there and everyone would go there and it had, you know, 10,000 soups on the menu and no one knew how he did it. And it was just a very, and it was, and he would not let a single person write about it, mm. like, or review it or mention it in any press. This was before there was even really internet. Sure. So, you know, people would be like saying, I want to write about your restaurant. He said, don't you fucking dare. Right. I don't want, I don't want the attention that that's going to bring. Yep. I don't want to, you know, I don't want this place to be popular. Mm-hmm. I want people here who I like. And so Calvin Trillin, the writer, yeah. was a regular there um, and begged Kenny to write about it. Mm-hmm. And similarly, Matt Mahurin was a regular there. And it was when he lost the lease and they were moving over to this new location on Carmine Street that Kenny decided somewhat strategically to let Calvin Trillin write about the restaurant and to let Matt document this moment. Um, Cause it was a big moment in the, in the history of the restaurant and their family. And there was a lot of uncertainty as to yeah. where things were going to go. And is I, it, I is it, to... is it vaguely, in the, is it in the village or is it? Yeah. yeah well, okay. not anymore. Or, it's, or... it's on the lower East side now. Okay. But, it was. but at the end of okay. I Like Killing Flies, they moved over, like they walked over from mm-hmm. their spot on Bedford Street where they had always been and it had started as a, as a general store and became a little restaurant, lunch counter, really. Mm-hmm. And then they walked over to Carmine Street, which was this new location, which was larger. Yeah. And that's really, and that location is really where I got to know Kenny a little bit and started going with some regularity and... Um, and you know, at the end of the shift, Kenny would just be sitting at the end of the lunch service. Mm-hmm. He would just sit out at a, at a booth and, and just hold court and talk. Yeah. And I, as I was leaving, I, I was saying, well, bye, bye Kenny. How, how's everything going? And he said, it fucking sucks. 
I'm like, oh, why? What's going on? He's like, I'm making too much fucking money. Mm. He's like, I'm too, this place is too, and I hope you don't mind that I swear on your podcast. No, it's a, I can't, we, we don't have a, what are they called? The MP, who's the ratings? The people, the people that rate uh, movies, oh, I forget yeah. what they're called. The, yeah. Do they the, even exist the, anymore? There was a documentary about them. The too. FCC. Or we'll, something, yeah. We'll fine you if you swear on the radio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't talk about Kenny without swearing, because like, yeah. I've met his granddaughter now, and at yeah. one, one point I was out with his daughter and his granddaughter. <laughs> one of his daughters is I, a writer, right? Or Yeah. Okay. Tamara Shopson. Yeah. I'll okay. tell you who, yeah. who they all are in a second. Yeah. <laughs> but his granddaughter, and I, and I accidentally swore in front of him. She's like eight or nine. I said, oh, I'm really sorry about that. And the granddaughter said, come on, I'm a shopsman. Nice. It's like, she's yeah. heard it all. She's heard it all. I mean, it's... if you're going to learn to swear, I mean, I, I would bring my kids in because I was like, they're going to hear these words. If you're going to learn to curse, yeah. you better learn from the best because Kenny would fucking curse. Yeah, it's, it's hard not to, and I forget, I'm, I'm not on regular radio very much. Every now and then it happens, and I have to, I have to keep that thought in my head that I can't talk the way I normally talk because right. there is the FCC and they'll, those stations will get in trouble. Yeah. But they have a, they have yeah. the delay. They have a delay. Yeah. So, but I mean, it's, it breaks up the rhythm of, you know, whatever. It sure the fuck does. But so Kenny said, Kenny said, this fucking sucks. I'm making too much money. <laughs> this place is too fucking big. Mm. And he said, you know, everyone in fucking New York and in America thinks that you're only good if you make, if you work as hard as possible and as you make as much fucking money as possible. Yeah. And you have to be making more and working harder and making more and working harder or you fucking suck. And it's just not true. There yeah. is a limit to what the human body can do yeah. and take in and enjoy. And I don't need this fucking hassle. Mm -hmm. And that was revolutionary to me. I mean, not that I didn't have an intuitive, like it's not like I was out there like hustling like a fucking Wall Street guy. But what, what, what time period would of, this be that you're talking about? This would be the early 2000s, I would okay. say. Okay, all right. Maybe the early, like... Because that movie yeah, came out like a decade ago at least, more, right? Which one? The, the Are Killing Flies? Yeah. Yeah, they, they must have moved in like... 2002 or three, okay maybe. Uh, yeah 20 yeah. years okay so 20 the, years the movie ago. came out 20 years ago all right <laughs> <I> <laughs> fuck <like laughs> it's, it's it came out 2004 okay thank you <laughs> so, so it probably was shot probably in 2002 like, or whatever yeah yeah and my and and seeing kenny there would have probably been 2005 or six okay and you know at that time i was not sure where I was. I was still writing for magazines and maybe transitioning into comedy, but I hadn't yet been kidnapped by the Daily Show and Apple Computer and and become. Did you have books you know, out at that point successful. yet, or no? Did you have books? I out? think I had my first book out. I think the, I think the, they had my the first. areas of your of the, the of, of, of my yeah, expertise. Areas of my expertise. So yeah. it had to have been two thousand five, but it was before okay. I'd been on TV. I remember you coming to Chicago for, on tour at Quimby's, and Ira was there. And Ira Glass, the, the yeah. famous radio host. Right, I've heard of yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know that that was, 
that was a, a, a big turn. 2005 was a big turning point in my life because I had, you know, I had chosen lots of ways to make no money. Mm-hmm. You know, um, first I had worked in book publishing and was paid very little. You were at Writer's was, House, I remember. And you were. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Writer's I remember House. you at Writer's House at some point. I don't know. I'm I'm really well, bad with for seven dates. years. Yeah, I'm really bad. Seven years. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was the receptionist dates. at this literary agency called Writer's House, and then I became Susan Ginsburg's assistant. And then I, for a couple of years, I I had I was just an agent. I had my own clients, and mm-hmm. you know, I was wasting I, I was wasting my time and my life and my energy there. Even though I loved my clients and I loved the world of publishing, it's like I wanted to make stuff. Yeah. So I quit finally in 2000, and and for five years, you know, I was freelance writing for magazines, which was something you could do at the time and make money. It's, right. You, it wasn't, it wasn't the way it is now, like with the, the oh, internet yeah. paying writers nothing. <laughs> you know, like yes. But it's not like I was making a ton of money, and I had at that point at least one child, and maybe even two at that point, depending on what time of the year yeah. it was. And I was very, very conscious about, like, how am I going to survive? And there was a feeling of, like, I gotta, I don't know that if I can, I don't know if I can handle, we, maybe we can't live in New York. Maybe it's just not yeah. feasible. Right. You know, maybe we gotta go out to Western Massachusetts where, um, you know, my mom who had passed away had left us a little house in the, in the woods mm-hmm. so that I, you know, cause I'm never gonna make any money. You know what I mean? Like, right. I'm never gonna make any real money like a real boy. Yeah. And uh, that ended up changing when I accidentally got kidnapped by television. But yeah, Kenny's words really made me understand, made me feel less ashamed of myself. Oh, okay. For not making all the money in the world. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't that it was like, oh, wow, I guess, I guess you can just be sustainable. He was really like, you know, we, we, we have to live in these bodies for a short period of time on Earth. Why yeah. the fuck would I want to work this hard? For what? Fucking money? Fuck yeah. that. And I was like, uh, oh, right. I feel less ashamed, you know? And, you know, the the whole the whole system is, ba- the whole finance, the whole capitalism is based on shaming people yeah. who don't make enough money. Where, uh, can, can I stop you with the, the, the sh- where yeah. did you feel the shame was coming from? Like who was... Oh, you know, just society, or was there an actual? Could you put a face on it? Like where? Oh, no, was... no, 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 not a per, not a person. My own, my own. So you had an idea in your head of it. like these go or like where you should have been at this point in your life or something, or. I think I think that I was just terrified because I I have children, you know, and that's a fairly large expense. Right, I've heard and that. Not that I, not that I, <laughs> not that I had in any way a sense of regret. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and and it was just more of like I at that point I was thirty four. Okay, and there was just this feeling of like, are you going to grow up? Like, are you going to you have children now? Are you going to continue to write about? movies and video games for a mm-hmm. little bit of money or yeah. do you have to go out and get a real capital R capital J, J job yeah and because you know it was so there was that finance I, I had I had sold the book and the book had come out and it had done okay and it 
kind of I was able to pay off my credit card debt, which was mm -hmm. substantial, and I felt shame because I had run it up because there was really no reason. You know, I had every advantage in the world growing up, but I I didn't take money from my parents, so I just kind of. Mm -hmm. I just kind of went into debt, you know, and yeah. debt feels so shameful and awful. Mm. And, yeah. You know, and you're living in New York where Kenny is right. You're surrounded by a lot of people who make a lot of money and to, to, and convince themselves that that makes them virtuous. Right. And so you end up feeling like, am I just an asshole because I'm not making a shit ton of money? And Kenny was the one who just said, fuck that. And he wasn't saying it to me as advice. He was saying it about himself. Like he was mad at himself that he was so that he had moved into this large space and was so yeah. successful that he had, that he had grown the business because it was yeah this, it was just a, he had more tables. So the next move within a couple of years was to make it smaller than it ever was, and they moved across town to the Essex Street Market on Essex and Delancey, uh -huh. and they became they went from maybe having. I don't know, 20 tables to five. Mm -hmm. And he was happy. Yeah. And he was happy. You know? But at least Sustain, in... Sustainability. Yeah, at, at least as he was portrayed, or he seemed in that movie, he was this kind of Shakespearean character. Yeah, I mean, Falstaffian. He was, yes, false, exactly. Yeah. I, I was trying to remember. What I kept thinking of was Chimes at Midnight, that great... Orson Welles movie. Have you ever seen that? Oh, I've never seen. No, I've never seen that. It's it, it's a it's a mix. It's a collection of Shakespearean stuff. It's called Chimes at Midnight. It's amazing, but he plays he's Falstaff. He's this giant man and just yeah. like wandering around woods and just like holding forth about all kinds of shit and uh, kind of some yeah. usually just talking to nobody. You know, just because he had these things he had to share. With the universe, yeah. you know, <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, yeah. No, that's exactly that's exactly who who Kenny was. So, how long did and you go to that restaurant? You can watch it on. You can watch. Yeah. I like killing flies on YouTube. Oh, cool! All right. Yeah, I Good. just found. I didn't. I didn't know. Yeah. And here's a scene like this is Kenny all over. Like, there's just a clip of it, and a, a titled the the title of the clip from the movie is a quote from him. Mm. You're not so terrific, and that's okay. <laughs> and that, uh, that's really that was really for a for a type A only child who really felt really defined myself by whether people thought I was okay or not. Mm. Feel, learning that it was okay to not be terrific all the time or at all or just be good. Yeah, really, really good. So I would go. I. I I would go there and still do go there. Uh, it's in a new, new, new location. Oh, it's, it's still across. going. Okay, yeah, right. You oh, said yeah, that yeah. the kids are yeah. keeping it going. Yeah, the kids are running it, and it's a and it's 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 in many ways exactly what it was. In many ways, it's it's the kids' project now, mm -hmm. and it's a little there's a little less yelling, mm. and it's in a much. They redid the whole Essex Street Market, so it's now fairly large again, and it's fun. You should come and go there. It's nice. It's good. Food is really good. Yeah, I, I make it through. I, I got to go. You know, I have to go to Boston a couple of times a year because, unfortunately, my parents still live there. Uh, mm -hmm. So I make it through and I, I now usually drive it. And so I oh, try wow. to build in like a day in New York. Yeah. Let me know. Let me know. I can. I, I never can know when you're in New parking. York. Like, yeah, I mean. I never know either. Yeah, right. I mean, I've been in New York mostly for the past two, three, two and a half years. Yeah. 
obviously because travel was curtailed. Although well, we uh, we go sneak away to the woods still. Yeah, quite a bit. We go up to Maine now, which is not. Yeah, you're you're in the land of the blue tarps now, right? The, the what? The blue tarps. There's this. Oh yeah. <laughs> Blue tabs. I heard that before, but I got it. I got it now. Yeah. I know so exactly my, what you mean. So I was, I was briefly married to a, a a woman who was from the who grew up in Maine, and oh yeah, I met her parents and stuff. And one of, around that time, there was some local comedian who put out this whole book, and all the jokes were about the blue tops. So, so now when I hear Maine, that's what I think of is these blue. I mean, the blue tarps. Th- th- there is a there is a there is a weird sub industry of Maine. I won't even call it comedy. Yeah, humor, yeah. I don't know I that. Dabbled yeah. in my book vacation land, but yeah. To be as specific as an entire book just about blue tarps is pretty yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. It may have been like a comedy record or and or yeah. book. So this guy uh, had a whole like he had the whole line of merch. I don't know connected to it uh blue tarps main humor one blue tarp is charming witty funny show there you go you found it scott (laughs) theater that sounds right (laughs) okay all right this would have been this would have been uh speaking of yeah time gone by 20 years ago uh, because i was married in 2003 into 2004 so travis g baker there you go. I don't know what to say about it, but yeah, it's there are a lot of tarps. There's a lot of weather protection going yeah. on up there. For sure. Yeah, as there must be. Yeah. One uh, one of my really brothers, my middle brother, has a uh, what do they call it? A camp or whatever the fuck they call it there. They do call it a camp. Yeah. yeah up to camp. Him and his wife have have one of those. Uh, and I gave after reading your book, Vacation Land, which I loved. I gave it Thank to you. them, and they really, really enjoyed it, and saw a lot of things that they recognized. I that's very kind. Where, where in Maine? Do, where is their camp in Maine? Oh fuck! Uh, is it Brooklyn or something? There is a Brooklyn, Maine. Yeah, like it's a yeah, it's a small place. It's on a it's on a pond or a tiny lake. That's you know just. Oh, all right. Yeah. Um, well, Brooklyn is on the coast, but when you not, find out, so, let so me it's know. Not, I, I, th- I think I had an exchange with you at some point about it. This, they've had this place for a while, but they've yeah. since, they've since moved to Western Mass. So oh. my I'm my brother Boris and his wife Blakeney now have three properties. Well, I was gonna say, I the, I think the only brother that I ever really got to know of yours is Boris. Yes. In fact, honestly, I didn't know you had a, a another a second brother. Well, I had a second brother who was born when i was a senior in high school who i took to show and tell and who i remember that now you spoke at his high school graduation and he shook your hand at i apologize what's his name max he lives in la i remember now max if you're listening (laughs) i apologize he will he'll probably listen well, he'll be one of the three or four people that That's listen to right. this talk. I yeah, now. I remember now. <laughs> but uh, so it's Boris who has all these properties. Yes, he's a day. he's a real estate tycoon or something. I don't know what the fuck he's doing. What's he doing with his life? Uh, he's a teacher. Oh, uh, good. So he was a teacher for years in. Um... Oh fuck. Hingham right. in Hingham on the south yeah. on the South Shore. Yeah, and then uh, for reasons that I I'm not privy to, uh, 
he and his wife decided to move to Western Mass. And he's now a teacher in Western Mass. And he took a pay cut to move to Western mm. Mass. And they have a huge sprawling house. But they've kept their place. They have a half of a two-family home in Roslindale, which is part All of right. Boston. Yeah. Uh, and they have the camp in Maine. And they have this place in Western Mass. And they're renting wow. out the Roslindale one, and they have a, a summer house in the sticks in Maine, and then they have their house in the woods in Western Mass in a town whose I name wouldn't I don't have, I wouldn't have picked Boris for, uh, I mean, look, I wouldn't have picked me as a, as a property owner at yeah. all. But there's Boris. Good for, good for him. And what's Max doing in L.A. since uh, he's my best friend that I remember so so well? He's a consultant. He mm-hmm. He's done very, very well for himself. Uh uh, mm-hmm. Money wise, he lives in Redondo Beach. He just bought a house with his wife. Uh, okay. And uh, he 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 does money wise. He does much much better than me, which is not a is not any accomplishment. But probably. Well, let's bring it back to you. What did you What did you do today, Dimitri? <laughs> oh, We're recording well, this on a Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. Tuesday uh, afternoon. How did you spend this Tuesday so far? Well, uh, yeah, let's see. I I woke up around 8 and uh, Mm -hmm. made myself some breakfast. What'd you have? Uh, Made some eggs. Yeah. Eggs and coffee. Uh, Perfect. Turn... What what, today was... Turn on some fucking podcast that I like to listen to while working on... uh, you know, tasks that don't, uh, that don't require me to actually engage my brain exactly, yep. which yep. is a great time to listen to podcasts. I agree uh, with you. Uh, and started in on this epic reformatting uh, migration project of moving my seven and a half year archive of newsletter uh, to to the same server and the, uh, the same platform that houses my art website, which has been going, which is now about to turn 20 years old or 19 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's quite a day. Uh, it, but I took breaks. Uh, so, oh, yeah, I took breaks, but because I got, you know, I have my email uh, on checking other things that come in and my life is mostly freelance these days. So there's, I'm designing a T-shirt for a local jazz club, and the the guy that runs it finally liked the 750th version of the thing, you know, that I sent him. Right. And I think it's going forward. So, kind of like check that off the box, and then I also did layout for my friend who's a filmmaker who basically has made a graphic novel trying to that will be printed and made a into a 200 plus page book to interest people into making this thing into a movie mm-hmm. and i did the whole layout for it and we're about to is send this, it to the printers is this john mcnaughton it is it is uh, what well, good guess <laughs> I, def, I, def, I feel like the last time i was in chicago we were talking about yeah he's you were hanging out with john mcnaughton the the director and writer of henry portrait of a serial killer and wild things and uh the oh, eric yeah. bogosian concert movie sex drugs and rock and roll and i didn't know he did those yeah. things mad dog yeah. and glory with uh 
Robert De Niro and uh, Holy and, smokes, he did do Mad Dog and yeah. Glory, one of the I think great forgotten films of the nineties. Li- I liked that. Movie. You like that one? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's very fond of it. Uh, no, but he's you know he's become a friend, and we, we go out to dinner regularly and uh he optioned my my cab book and i recall yeah it's still like this in this dormant stage you know in the meantime the cab industry died so but right. i think i think if we wait long enough it it could make a nice an interesting like 90s period piece like there yeah you know what you should call it taxi driver yeah yeah it's exactly. a perfect title yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, since he... I don't know why no one has ever used that one before. Mm-hmm. Taxi Driver. Yeah. What if you put it out as Taxi Driver 2? Yeah. How much trouble would you get in? <laughs> yeah. But this... Yeah, so he, yeah, he's... So he's been working for the last six years with a classmate of his or like a, a childhood friend of his on this. Uh, so I didn't do the art for this graphic novel thing, mm-hmm. but it occurred to him a few months ago that like he need he wanted to have a some kind of physical object to interest people in this in this kind of it's a movie set in an amusement park it's called carney kill and in <laughs> the room but there's uh, uh this this friend of his tony burns came up with basically 800 frames and i had to put this all into a book so I assembled a book that will hopefully be a book soon. So there and the were... book is going to be used to maybe spark interest and then making it into a movie. Yeah, because John thinks, and I don't. Maybe he's right. Maybe he's not. Like the the just sending another yet another link to people is just will not make them stop. Because yeah, I mean the yeah. big problem now is to get somebody. Everything's on one level with the internet. How do you get somebody actually to stop and look at your thing? Yeah. That's that's the real. And you know, you talk. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no. Uh, so he wants to make an actual book, and you know, the, he, they will print maybe like a hundred copies of this thing, and yeah. he can't. The the added wrinkle to it is that they're using. So it's a graphic. It's basically a comic book, but they're using yeah. real actors. That this uh-huh. that that this artist has sort of like made these weird. I don't even know what to how to describe them. So Luke Perry's in it, Kim Novak's in it, uh, Bill Murray's in wow. it, and they can't use they can't use their likenesses in a movie. But like the gray uh-huh. areas, what how far can can you use it in in this in this format? Maybe so they're not using so they're not it's it's not what's that form of it's not photographs. Yeah. They they are the I mean he's he's the altered book. them and he's incorporated them into this weird kind of nebulous comic book vernacular. Oh. I don't Il- know. But they're illustrations. Yeah. They're not photographs. Yeah. Right. They're they're very recognizably, you know, like altered, you know, whatever. Like kind of like right. not quite rotoscope, but kind of like that, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah where yeah, you know it came you. from a photograph, but it's been kind of digitized and put through some sort of and- Altered enough that yeah. you can actually use the you know use the likeness legally, I guess. Well, it's Carney, it's Carney Kill, you say? Carney Kill, yeah. It's based on a on a on a book on a, one of these kind of quickie whatever thriller kind of books. 
and it's yeah, it's set in an amusement park and the the weird thing is, yeah, I worked on this thing for solid for a few weeks, like every this is mind numbing work, rep repetitive. I had to resize these images and fit them into a template. And I, I listened to I think several whole audiobooks while doing this <laughs> work. Uh I haven't actually read the thing. Because It's I a I knew lost. that I knew that Go reading ahead. the thing would distract me from doing the work I was doing because I Right. would start paying attention rather than just making sure the shapes uh, fit, you know? Yes. <laughs> Exactly. so that Bring was this. that that was a break in the day from from my other mind numbing chore that I assigned myself. I like this. According to this uh, internet that I have, <laughs> Carney Kill by Robert Edmund Alter, the uh huh. That's 1966 it. lost classic of noir, Exactly. a masterpiece of lurid menace from the underbelly of the South. That's it. But Sounds uh, yeah, good. John John rewrote he wrote his own screenplay, but based Of course. on yeah, Yeah, of yeah. course. Right. Yeah, I Yep, got gotcha. that's you. it. That's exactly That's it. That, Sounds that's freaking Carney fun. Kill. I'd like to see it. Well, you know, talk about industries dying, Uber killing the, the, Yeah. the cab industry. But it's like, uh, it's not a good time to be making movies. No, it's I terrible. mean, And there's this whole generation like John's. I mean, John is 72. Uh, yeah. that whole generation of filmmakers, I mean, they can't finance their movies. Many of them Right. can't. Uh, and they're way overqualified. And because of their, you know, they're in the director's guild, uh, people that are making movies can't afford to hire them. You know, Right. they're in this weird quadri, Yeah. this weird And uh, just people aren't catch-22. going to movies. They're just not going to see movies. I went, I mean, some, some yeah. of them are, you know what I mean? But not, I mean, the, the, the pandemic really killed Yes. movie going and plus streaming, you know, Yeah. and it's like people just want to watch 17 hours of a show Yeah. rather than a two And, hour story and and they, yeah, the movie industry doesn't know what it's doing anymore. And whatever, whenever it has a thing, it, it just kills it because like I went and rode a bicycle 15 miles to see a movie that won the Palm door at con because, Right. because they wouldn't, Which one was that? It's called Stars at Noon. It's amazing. It's the new Claire Okay. Denis movie. It's based on a Dennis Johnson book. It's great. It's Okay. a great, great I'm putting movie. it on my list. Uh, I think you can get a VOD. Uh, that's the problem is the fucking studio released it VOD the same day. And Right. so And they no didn't do major a release. theater uh, chain would book it. So it didn't play in the city of Chicago. I had to go to a fucking Right. suburb to see it. Right. Right. So they... Yeah, no, that day and date release it kills filmmakers, Yeah. kills them, Yeah. kills So, them. and this is Claire Denis, like one of the great filmmakers going like, Right. <laughs> but they're killing her fucking movie, you know, like, uh, yeah, it's a dying art Well, form. And, uh, that's a shame. I mean, I'll never stop going to movies cause that's because of the age I am like, I, it means right. something to me. Uh, but you know, as somebody that's spent their whole life, you know, mostly devoted to an art form that peaked in the fucking 18th century. You know, it's, that's not Right. anything that's shocking to me, you know, No, I mean, painting, no, that's pretty Dimitri. painting has That's been pretty dead Dimitri. for a very, very long time. And yet I refuse to stop doing it, you know, Nor should you. I went <laughs> to a little movie theater called the Coolidge Corner Theater. Oh, I heard I still of call that. it the Coolidge Corner Movie House. Yes. 
which is still what it's called in my mind, although it is now and has been for now many years, the Coolidge Corner Theater, where, of course, we both worked. Yes. And enjoyed our time working. And I, I was in town briefly. Oh, you went to Boston? Yeah, well, they didn't move the Coolidge to Brooklyn yet. So I did have to go <laughs> to Brookline. Yeah. Massachusetts, where it is. Yeah. And I had um, I had gone to visit my friend uh, Damon, uh, who we went to high school with. And, Damon uh, Graff. Damon Graff. Oh yeah, I vague. I, I was never friends with him, so I he's a very vague, you know. He's my entity. yeah. I mean, he he's my oldest friend. We met when we were three years old. We oh were wow. Neighbors. Uh, and then obviously we did not go to elementary school together. So he because we were in, he moved. Mm. So he kind of had a different friend base than I did when we came into high school, and we're still very close friends throughout high school. But you know, we had different friend bases and friend groups a little bit, and we have remained in touch. And he's, you know, going through some stuff, so I came up to see him, and mm. we hung out for the afternoon. And then I dropped him off, and I was gonna go back to my uh, go back uh, to my hotel because mm. I'm uh, staying in the hotel yeah. there in Coolidge Corner. I'm walking along, and I just said, "What if I were to go to a movie? Yeah, uh, why don't I just go to a movie?" Yeah. So I bought a ticket for this movie, and I don't even remember the name of it mm-hmm. because spoiler alert: I didn't end up going to the movie, and I'll tell you why in a second. Okay. But it's this. It's just this. You know, it's like it's not Amsterdam, mm-hmm. and it's not. There's all these independent movies that are coming out and, and bombing. Right? Yeah, like, like Amsterdam. Prestigious. Yeah. Like Amsterdam. You know, the whole movie industry is freaked out over that. Yes. And probably will never make another movie for grown-ups again. Yeah. But like these prestigious movies. This one has Sam Rockwell in it. It's a, it's a murder mystery. Oh, it's terrible. I, I reviewed it for the Chicago Reader. It fucking sucks. That movie sucks. Okay. <laughs> Let's not even mention it then. All right. <laughs> and then Sorry. It, but Sorry, Sam Rockwell. No. I love you, but your fucking movie sucked. <laughs> Sam Rockwell. <laughs> Uh, let's uh, Sam Rockwell. I also love you, and I I I I can't form an opinion. <laughs> I bought the ticket, <laughs> and then across across Harvard Street, where the yeah. last thing I remember was there was a Pete's Coffee and Tea there. Yes, is is now a a place called Mecha Noodle Bar. Mm. Now our daughter, uh, uh, you know, I went to Yale. In New Haven, Connecticut. That's an accredited four-year institution. In I've Florida. heard of it. I even visited you while you were going there once. That's right. I remember that. That was, <laughs> that was a wild night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you visited just once? Maybe, maybe, maybe more. I feel uh, like maybe twice, but once. Well, because I was, happened, yeah, I was going like to Parsons twice. at first, and then, yeah, yeah I, I visited at least once. Yeah. So, so our daughter is now going to Yale. So I've oh been back, and which is terrific for her. She's having the time of her life. And oh, I've been good. Back to New Haven a little bit, and there's this Mecha Noodle Bar in New Haven, which is this new place that I'd never heard of, mm. and it's this very small, but it's like it's like the best, like the, the the best ramen I've ever had in my life. Yeah. And dumplings, and they do it's all really yeah. good. It's all really spicy, and yeah, I couldn't believe my eyes. There's one now in Coolidge Corner, across the street from the Coolidge. I went over there and I had a cocktail and some. Really good noodles. Uh-huh. It's like this is turning out to be the 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 night of the century. How could this be so yeah. cool? And then I walked across, and there's this big line because the movie started at the movie started at nine fifteen or something. Uh-huh. And there was this big line of people waiting to go into the theater. 
Mm. Like, is this movie? And they were all people in their, I would say, their 20s and 30s. Okay. And they were all, it was a, it was a lot of people wearing black t-shirts with, oh. um, I don't want to say like the Misfits, uh, you know, that classic uh, t- black Misfits t-shirt, the band, the Misfits. Sure. Yeah. The band. All yeah. The time. Of course. But like more obscure things than that. I'm yeah. like, these don't look like Sam Rockwell people to me. These yeah. look like hor- horror movie people to me. So I go to the end of the line to wait to get in with them. And I say to the couple at the back of the line, this nice horror movie couple, I'm like, are you guys going to see this Sam Rockwell movie? And they're like, no, <laughs> we're going to see, you will probably know what this is. We're going to see Fritzi to Fucci. And I'm like, okay, horror movie people, you're going to have to explain this uh-huh. to me. So, so something something Fulci, this guy, his famous Italian horror Lu- movie director. Oh, uh, Lucio Fulci? Yeah, Lucio he's, Fulci. He's one of the giallo, like people like Dario Argento. He's one of exactly. those guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and he collaborate and uh, so th- that's the Fulci part. Yeah. And Fritzi is a uh, Fabio Fritzi who composed the the score for a number of his movies. Uh, okay. And he's now in his 70s. Fulci, I believe, is no longer alive. Oh, and he and was showing up there? or And he was he was showing up, and he was, yeah. basically, he was giving a concert in the main theater. Yeah. Of his, of his horror movie music. Oh, nice. With sections of the horror movies, you know, the yeah. appropriate yeah. sequences of the horror movies showing behind him. So it was sort of like a, yeah. an anthology. And he, had a, and he was up there, and he's this very dashing white-haired Italian mm-hmm. dude yeah. in his 70s, surrounded by a bunch of, his, like, I would say four or five of his acolytes, yeah. all horror movie guys. Yeah. Like, you know, skinny guys in black t-shirts with, you know, interesting ear modifications, earlobe modifications. Of course, such, yeah. Piercings and so on. Cool dudes. I loved them. Yeah. And they play this wild music. And, I, and you know, they serve beer there now, so I got a beer. Yeah. And sat down, and I felt like I was in a dream. So I you wandered uh, into it. Yeah, I skipped the movie. I was like, you, no, "This is what sorry, I'm Sam Rockwell. Like this cool thing is going on." So yeah, I'm John's not going to see his movie. Your I mean, movie. I, I'd never heard of. I'd never heard of uh, a Fulci before. I'd never seen yeah Zombie or any of the Fulci movies. Zombie, right? Yeah, that, that was yeah. one of his. But, yeah, but I had to. I had to see what was going on. It was one of the wildest and that's really cool uh but that it it also relates to this this death of the movie i mean because now like john carpenter what he's doing now is touring playing concerts because he can't make a fucking movie like the way he'd want to what he's doing is playing concerts of his soundtracks that he composed you know yeah does he seem like an unhappy person though no, no, I think he's, I think he always rolled with the punches. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, John Waters pivoted to to writing books and stuff. Right. Uh, uh, but all the, that whole generation, which is uh, McNaughton's generation, more or less, some right. are older, some are younger, they find themselves in a comp- very altered landscape. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So how is uh? I'm looking at this Fabio Fritzi Fritzi to Fulci T-shirt that I gotta get. That's how nice. I get this before Halloween. Uh, oh, one of the cool so, things. So 70s. It's, yeah. And 
Italian horror. It's so great. But yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I appreciated that you were trying to take my story of having a fun time at the movies and turning it into a, a sad story about how John Lester <laughs> can get work. Uh, yeah. I, if it, all of it's true. All of it's true, of course. You know, the, you yeah. have to... There's also, I mean, and this is something me and John talk about all the time when we have these uh, regular dinners. Like, look, there, there's not... There's no law passed by any god that says that, like, movies have to exist forever or any of these art forms there's a sell by date on all these things books didn't books don't exist forever nothing does and it's i mean the bottom line is you're trying to tell stories either have something to say or you don't and you find whatever delivery system is available you know absolutely right Uh, exactly right but the last time i was in new york which was i was there for a day uh because i had a covid time airline ticket that was about to expire and I didn't mm-hmm. feel like letting Southwest eat my $300. Right. Uh, I went there just for a day, day and a half. And so I went, went to, to the museum and had lunch with a friend. And then I went to Greenpoint in Brooklyn to this, this DVD rental store run by a uh-huh. surly, right. surly Polish man who has a micro cinema in back of it. And I went to a movie uh, hosted by, and they rented out, it turns out they rented out the theater. It was a movie called Bad Summer. It was shot in Erie, Pennsylvania. And there was a lot of fun young people of of every kind of gender. Uh, and they made this kind of weird horror movie and all their friends came and it was, it was great fun. Where is this place? It's in Greenpoint. Greenpoint. It's I called film. Is it like cinema noir or film noir cinema, something like that. Uh, film noir cinema. I read about it in the New York Times because I'm fucking old, so I'm not. You know, I'd, I wouldn't find out anything any yeah, other way. Can't, you can't beat yourself up about this stuff. Of course, you go. No, but I. It doesn't matter. I wanted to go to a place where there was a, a little movie theater with a surly Eastern European man, and I went there and I got there early, and I. I was there for probably an hour and the man said like two words to me. Yeah. And we were the only people in the room and it was fantastic. It was exactly what I wanted, you know, from that experience. Um, I have to get over to this place. Check it out. It's on the, just a residential corner. Uh, I'm sure you can find it on the internet very quickly. Uh, There was a big article about him in the New York times a few months ago. Which is how I found they out. Have a, they have a GoFundMe. The first thing you see on their website is "Keep us alive." Yeah, yeah. Wojciech Malitek is yes, organizing this. That guy, user. and I, I'm convinced that at least half his stock is pirate is shit that he just like burned onto DVDs. All right, I'm gonna give them. I gotta. I gotta it's it's awesome. It's uh, It was it was awesome. Uh, but but yeah, what what everybody's searching for, including. Lots of young people who, I mean, I'm making friends with young people because of my weird lifestyle. The people that I see eye to eye with are like, you know, some of them are in their 20s because yeah. what they want is a palpable experience that they, it's not this thing that just goes by their eyes quickly from where they make all their money, which is off of screens of various kinds, you know? Right. What they want is something, some other different kind of experience. That's where I have 
uh, you know, people that there were in indie rock bands whose kids are now in rock bands and they're make the kids are making zines like, like honest right. to God, fucking zines that are cut and pasted and printed on a copier. And right. I, that makes me very happy. You know, that, that, that even the impulse, even if it's shitty, that, that, that impulse still exists, makes me feel like, okay, I haven't wasted my whole fucking life. You know, like, <laughs> No, everything is hopeless, but there is still some hope. Yeah. <laughs> so how? What, what, not, have, what have you? It's not been... just the kids are are using the stuff that yeah. we used when we were kids. It's not like I. Yeah. I, I warn you against nostalgia because I consider it to be a toxic impulse. Oh no, it's horrible. No, I, no, and no. I know. That, right. I mean, it's it's not. I, to be clear to the listener, we're not celebrating that kids are. Are, are making zines because like zines were what we did and that's the good thing and that yeah. they're probably making stuff that we would don't even understand in a million different ways no but shit using like the technology okay. in different ways that is good that's what's supposed to happen we're they're supposed to thrive we're supposed to die yes yeah uh and i'm i'm definitely not trying to like i'm not trying to be one of the young people i just like no. that some of the things that they're doing i understand and right. the reason they're doing it is totally different than what I'm doing. Right. Uh, but they see what I do and they sort of understand it connects. Like they, they get it yeah, or, totally. or it, it resonates with them because it's another version of what they're trying to do. You know? <laughs> I mean, I feel like to me, what was so exciting about Fritzi de Fulci aside from it being a completely dreamlike through the looking glass, who knew this was going to happen tonight moment, which is mm -hmm. always so much fun when that happens, was there was a line of young people at the Coolidge waiting to see a movie at, well, you know, to see a thing at 10 p.m. Yeah. And, you know, it's not as though, it's it's not as though Brookline was some kind of countercultural hub in the 80s and early 90s when we were working at the theater, but... Definitely Boston and Brookline are much more affluent than even them. Yeah. And much more sanitized. And yeah. There's no, there's no, you know, there's no rock culture anywhere. So there's no, no meaningful, like there used to be Boston bands and then there were like Philly bands and Pittsburgh yeah. bands and like probably that still exists to a certain degree, but it doesn't move culture in the same way. And yeah. yet there's still these like weirdo kids with these weirdo t-shirts Mm -hmm. lining up to see this weird this italian weirdo and it had an aspect of just like prayer like we're just we're congregating here to make a world of our own because the world outside is pretty sucky and i really enjoyed that i think that that's happening still yeah you know no and i don't know how many of the kids who came to see went over to the film noir cafe or whatever sorry now i need to know the the, the real name of the place is uh, film noir cinema. Okay, film noir right. cinema. That's what it's called. Yeah, right. Film noir cinema. I don't know how, how many of them, you know, have. It's just, an, it's just, you know, young people who want to tell stories are still coming to New York City, even though New York City has made it harder than ever for them to come here and live. Um, yeah, that, I appreciate that. I do find that bizarre that they they still come to New York, but uh, yeah, but I, I guess they, yeah, I mean the the New York's reputation precedes it yeah uh yeah i don't know <laughs> i don't know i mean i don't know what what else would you what else would you do what else would you do if you were 
if you were a kid in the world who wanted to be where things are made and happening. Uh, I mean, you could go to Chicago, you could go yeah. to I don't know, New York. I mean, it's just, you know. No, you have to find a community. You have to find somebody else that will right. do stuff with you. But as far as the center of culture, I, I think that that disappeared a long, long time ago. I mean, that's been gone a long, long time. I don't know. What do you mean? What, what do you mean that? Uh, how so? Like what? I mean, what, what I'm saying is that oh, you go ahead. Oh, I, I, I mean, I don't perceive New York as the center of anything anymore. Uh, and I haven't for a long time, but that's me, you know? Well, you and I both, I mean, I don't know whether you had this feeling, but you know, Boston always had this sort of like inferiority complex. Yeah. With, with, with good, with good reason to new york yeah, for very inferior yeah because it is yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah. uh exactly but i've spent but you just, know yeah but just in terms of a of a, a a density of people and points of view and industries and and still art and still movie making and stuff like this is there's just it's just there's just a lot of density in new york city that if you want to if you like i wouldn't have been able to do what i did if i weren't if i hadn't been in new york when there was this alt comedy movement uh, downtown mm, yeah um, that allowed me in and helped me to find people who i love as artists and as friends still and you know challenge me still yeah and I, it's not i know that there are kids still making that happen right now i don't yeah, I no longer go into those basements because I'm tired all the time. Right, but it's definitely like you know there there are scenes whether we want to admit it or not. There's definitely well, of course there are yeah creative scenes yeah, and there are in other cities as well. I mean it's you don't have to yes when the internet was big and I still thought that it was a good thing rather than this thing that fucking ruined the world. Mm. I really felt like well this is going to save a lot of lives for these weirdo kids who can't make it to. New York. Oh, you um, thought back then that the internet would save them, or or well, that the internet yeah. would become this big city where people could find their own people. Yeah, and there was reason to feel this way too, because this is like all the movie people found each other online, and all the yeah. anime people found each other online, and kids, kids who were you know, it's like weird culture saves lives. Like yeah. I, I've spoken to enough people, yeah, who probably would have killed themselves if they hadn't been able to tune in this one radio station from across in the other state that played the cramps or whatever you know what i mean like oh for sure yeah and so i feel like well okay that's good that people are finding each other and then i just really don't yeah messed everything up with social media in my opinion and i was a yeah early twitter adherent and it was fun for a while but well you know, i mean obviously you, it's, yeah you it, did amazingly destroyed on, everything you did amazingly on twitter i mean yeah but it's no good it's no good for our culture it's no good for my brain no, it's terrible. I mean, it's just all too much. It's too it's too addictive, and it's too people just become addicted to rage. You know? Yeah, I mean it's when I art. that's what I didn't see coming. Yeah, I mean I switched off. I turned off Twitter seven and a half years ago, for a variety of reasons. But right. part of them, person, you know, I had a relationship end, and I had, I was a you know it was one of those stock taking moments in a person's life, and one of the things I really didn't like about myself was this this thing that, you know, I had to keep refreshing the fucking feed, you know? Right. And I was that asshole that was, like, with my girlfriend at dinner looking down at my fucking phone. And, 
and as soon as I turned that off, unfor you know, the, the rate, the relationship died, but some of the bad habits died also, you know, Good. and it was like waking from a bad dream. Suddenly there oh, was like, absolutely. you know, like absolutely. when I turned off Twitter, there was more hours in the day. And very soon after turning off Twitter, I quit smartphones, you know? So, and you know, seven and a half years ago, tw Twitter was still a relatively seven year. Yeah, I, I'm 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 giving or myself more credit it than <laughs> it was right. It was before the run up to the 2016 election. It was 2015. Well, that's yeah, that was that. I, and I'm convinced, obviously, it, a tipping point for a lot of things. And it saved my fucking mind because yeah. I didn't see any of that shit happen on Twitter. You know that everybody knows about. Right. Uh, right. When, when that fucking monster took over, you know, took over Twitter. <laughs> oh, and, you know, so many people, you know, what had been sort of a venue for me yeah. to reach out and play games with other comedians that I liked, yeah. or actual comedians, and I'm a humorist or whatever I am, you know, but I was like, yeah. you know, there was a there was a, an element of fun and play to Twitter, you know, when I started in 2008 yeah. and into the middle of the of the last decade, but... yeah. You know, when things flipped after the election because everyone flipped their minds, you know, yeah. everyone's minds had gone out of control because of the unthinkable that happened. Right. And already, you know, this isn't even, this isn't even the, this isn't even touching on the weaponization of misinformation. Yeah, yeah. That was already happening on Twitter and especially mm -hmm. on Facebook. It was just suddenly everyone was using Twitter as their therapy. Yeah. And in a very non-productive way. Yeah. And I think everyone just got worse and worse and worse. And now it's this complete psychological ecosystem of its own that has no bearing on the world outside. And what's even more infuriating about it is that for all of the activism, mm -hmm. I mean, there's still, I still appreciate hearing different points of view on Twitter. Yeah. It's, and I'm not talking about conservatives. I'm talking about yeah. people who are much more liberal than I am and yeah. much more revolutionary than I am. And like, getting forcing myself to reckon with my own uh, sure. premises you know i like that but it's like for all of the activism on twitter none of it affects the world outside none no no like you got to put feet, you got to put feet on the ground knock on doors do work you got to run for stuff and I, i'm not i'm not patting myself on the back i'm not i'm i'm phone banking and shit yeah and you know like and 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 donating money and and and, and volunteering as much as i can i'm not doing the real work which is knocking on doors and running yeah. for office which is like the real hardcore shit yeah but uh you know twitter isn't helping any of that stuff honestly it's just hurting everybody i think i'm just mad now just sorry about it makes me mad let's move let's move on to something else let's yeah because it's i mean for me anybody that talks to me it's a fucking it's beating a dead horse me and social right. media i mean all i do is is my stupid newsletter that i keep moving platforms for for reasons of what? my for mysterious so reasons given, that matter to you're no literally one. giving up you're literally giving up the ghost because ghost is the platform that you use now. yes <laughs> ghost which is a a non-profit like do gooder like whatever that right. is much much more ethical than Substack was, which I I was on for like a year, year and a half, year and a half I think, and right. Substack, which is very questionable uh, ethically as right. to what what they promote and who they pay to have their you know quote unquote newsletters, but it's yeah it's more marketing shit you know it's whatever. Uh, 
but yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Talking so to me. So will I continue to get your newsletter, or do I have to re-sign up or something? No, no. I, 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 I think I managed to. We'll see. The test will be next Monday when I send it out from the new thing. How many people okay. I either lose and or like will go to into their spam boxes. It's fine. Uh, the I'm thing... putting it in my calendar. Watch for. Watch for Dimitri's newsletter on Monday. Yeah, it'll be from a. It'll look a little bit differently, maybe, but who the fuck knows? It it. Th this is so low stakes, you know. Like. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's what you know. This is what it's about, right? It's doing the thing that makes. That, that on on your terms that makes you happy or satisfied. On yeah, and look, it, 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 it's not like I'm going to pretend any kind of grand like whatever buddhist virtue or like this fucking newsletter like gets me business it gets me contacts it gets right. me all kinds of things that are not in any way like ascetic or virtuous in any kind of religious way you know like it helps me make a fucking living you know <laughs> yeah yeah for sure but i have to sure. i have to also live with myself and like be able to sleep at night and uh yeah i you know, as you age, I guess you get more and more kind of focused and able to identify the things that bother you and the things that yeah, have, and... you know, bothered me about the newsletter is that like, since I've been taking money for it, I feel obligated to do it twice a week and it's nebulous. It's not like selling a painting, you know, or a book. Well, and also as you age, you, first of all, sleeping at night stops being a problem because you don't ever sleep anymore. <laughs> <laughs> such a luxury like if my brain allows me to sleep all yeah. night it's incredible yeah. but then also and my body it's not even my brain it's just my body is yeah. like up but then you know it's also like you are aware of time passing like i think of oh yeah all the time like the w w how much fun it was to watch bad movies mm. in the past yeah back in my 20s when i was immortal and all there was in this universe was time for me yeah and now I'm like, I'm not spending my night watching a bad movie. That's a real waste of energy. Yeah. I, I yeah, I get angry. So like I make a, a small part of my living reviewing movies for the, yeah. the local alt weekly. Oh, I, hear, I hear you. I hear you personally destroyed Sam Rockwell's career recently. I did. Sorry, Sam. Of his movie. I love you except for your new movie. <laughs> Actually. Yeah. Uh, no, but like, even then, yeah, I wasted an hour and a half of my life, like not even have to leave my house. I got a screener, you know, because I'm a film reviewer. Right. But it makes me mad that I, I lost an hour and a half of my life plus the 20 minutes it took me to write that fucking review. <laughs> <laughs> you know? You really gave it 20 minutes, huh? The whole 20 Oh, yeah. All, all of my attention for a good 20 minutes to half an hour. Yeah. See How They Run is the name of yes. the movie. Yes. Yes, it's a. Did, who did you review it for? The Chicago Reader. Yes. The yeah, the, uh, basically the only alt right weekly now. left in the world. But like they're trying. I didn't know. That's amazing. I didn't know the Reader was still around. That's great. Yes, that that's that's who I write for. That's who they pay me. Uh, weirdly enough, uh, to write various things. But they've they've now just re just become a fully nonprofit. Like they're trying to be NPR. Mm -hmm. I. I wish them all the luck. It's it's a wonder every day that they're still open, you know, like, and it has been for a decade at least. <laughs> well, you really, you really, you really, you really uh, give this, uh, give this the one two. 
I have no idea how an A-list cast like this was hoodwinked into participating in this wink-wink nudge nudge. Oh, you found it. (laughs) Staying home and playing a rousing game of Clue with a warm-up of Coco would have been higher stakes for all concerned. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I I didn't love it. it I didn't know that it was. Based around Agatha Christie's yes. The Mousetrap, longest running play in history. Yeah. Oh, okay. What a fucking says, what a fucking boring play that is, too. God, that, that play sucks. I'm sorry. <laughs> when did you when did you see it? Well, they fucking remounted every few. I, I was sent to see it by the fucking reader, like a couple oh, of years oh, in ago. Chicago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant. No, no. I saw it in London. Oh, you, you did. Know, you see, you saw the real thing. All, okay. Forever. Yeah. <laughs> And I must have been fifteen. Yeah, you know yeah. What I mean, like it's a, it's a pure curiosity. There's, you know, there's some, there's, there's an off-Broadway show that has been playing in New York City. I'd never heard of this before, and I've lived in New York now for like Fantastics or one years. of those or like... yeah. But it's called. Hang on, I want to see if I remember. Is it a Charles <laughs> Bush play or? A perfect crime. Oh, okay. It's a funny and romantic thriller about a psychiatrist who may have killed her husband, but then why is he still alive? That's the tagline. It's written by Warren Manzi. It is the longest running play in New York City history with over 12,000 performances. Wait, I think I read about this also in the New York Times. There's a lady that's... There's a lady, yeah. who, Who has kept it alive, and she... I don't know if she stars in it or she put rents a theater or owns a theater. There was a long article about her. It sounded really fascinating. Yeah. Catherine Russell. Yes. I, I mean, this, this sounds really familiar. Yeah. I didn't read the article, but our friend Christine is, is fascinated by it. was telling us the story over. Dinner. Oh, sweet. She's, apparently she's, she began, she, she's been playing the role of Margaret Brent since the play, the beginning of the plays run in 1987. She's missed yes. four performances. Yes. This, this is, yeah, this is a great, but you love stories. I mean, those, those are the great stories. I, uh, I love, I know. And that's like, I, I, I hear that it's not too terrific. Yeah. I hear that it's not too terrific. Is what I hear. Well, one of the problems and with something like the mousetrap is that so many things have co-opted, so many pieces of that thing is that it's almost impossible to really appreciate it on its own terms anymore. Oh, sure. It I sure mean, was for me a couple of years ago when I saw the the revival of it in Chicago. It was just like one grown worthy moment after another, you know? Right. And it wasn't, well, it's like, it wasn't yeah. the actor's fault and it wasn't the director's fault or anybody's. It's because it's been picked clean, you know? Like, yeah, the, ma- the material is, yeah, exactly. It's like, um, <laughs> I was listening to a podcast, and uh, the Blank Check podcast is a movie podcast that I listen to. And mm. Griffin Newman, who is one of the co-hosts, and I had met him working on The Tick on Amazon with him. Mm. He was he played. Speaking of old Boston IP, I can't believe I just used the term IP. IP. You know, the nice. Tick. The Tick was a comic book published in the New England by New England Comics, a small comic book uh, retail chain, mm. uh, as a satire of comic book culture in the. 80s not comic book culture but like comic book conventions tropes yeah like the tick was this big dumb hero yeah and he a little sidekick named arthur who dressed as a moth and yeah this was a comic book it was a satire it was self-published by new england comics and then it became 
a Saturday morning cartoon for a while, and then it got canceled. Yeah. And then they made a TV show out of it, starring Patrick Warburton in the right. like, 1999, 2000, and then it got canceled. And then Amazon revived it a few mm-hmm. years ago for two seasons of a show with yeah. um, Peter um, Serafinowicz playing the Tick and Griffin Newman playing Arthur. And I, I had a small role in the second season, so I got to know Griffin. Long story. It's just something that... If your listeners haven't checked it out, it's a lot of fun, and we're really sad that they didn't make more of them. But Griffin closed his podcast called Blank Check, and he was talking about showing his younger sister The Matrix for the first time. Mm. And uh, as soon as, and you know, he's he's ten years younger than me, and she's probably five years younger than him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's actually probably fifteen years younger than me. Anyway, the point is they're young. So he they're in, in the they're Matrix. in their thirties or something, or he, yeah, he's in his thirties okay. and she's probably in her late twenties. Okay, right? but she had never seen it, never heard about it, and so he said, "Oh, you should see this movie." And they start watching it, and the minute that it's revealed that this is a a, a simulation, right? When he wakes mm-hmm. up in the wakes up in the pot, she goes, "Oh, it's one of these simulation movies." Yeah, yeah. And Griffin was like, y- y- "Yes, but the." There wasn't one before yeah. this. Like, this is the simulation yeah. movie. Like, she doesn't know. Like, to her, this is a this is a cliche, because yeah. it's been picked clean. You know, right. as a concept, it's just been, it's become part of culture in a, in a way. And you don't really think like there's so much of, so much of movies well, in, and old, old yeah, plays and stuff like that where it's like, well, this is where they invented it, but it feels tired and rote now. You know. Oftentimes, you know, when you have a big success like The Matrix, it's even the makers drink the fucking Kool-Aid because everything they've made since then has been inferior and questionable. But like they totally bought their own press. You know, they read their own reviews and started their own religion off of it. I certainly didn't see I didn't see the latest. I was not interested in the latest Matrix. That's for sure. But Uh, I I think I lasted about 10 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) You know the, the wire work, the wire work action that they put in there was obviously borrowed from Asian cinema. Yeah, in the nineties. But for someone who hadn't seen that stuff, yeah, that Asian, of cinema, course, yeah. I mean, it was mind blowing. Yeah, the slow like, bullets. Oh, I was seeing something. Yeah. I was seeing something different. You know what I mean? Yeah. And now it's just a cliche. You know, so. But some, uh, you know, the concepts like you know there was a book that I listened to on a drive, I think, by Hari Kunzru called Red Pill. And Red Pill, oh. is fr- it's from it's The from Matrix. The Matrix. Right. Well, I mean, you know, there, there, there are a lot of people who, or there are some people who feel that The Matrix and the whole Red Pill, Blue Pill, hmm. uh, it, you know, it, it, which is such a... Um, a, a charged and important part of the men's quote unquote men's rights mm. online movement and oh. the right and the right wing MAGA movement yeah. and the QAnon movement. Yeah. The like the matrix deserves a lot of blame for where we are. Right I'm now. sure it I does. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, you can't, you can't prevent people from misadopting. Well, that's a, that's an idea that you put in the world. Yeah. The problem you do, if you make any kind of art is it's right for being misinterpreted. Like, yeah, ask Friedrich Nietzsche about that. Like, ask like all kinds of people, you know, yeah. like a bunch of fucking Nazis showed up and adopted Nietzsche, you know, and, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember when Friedrich Nietzsche was wearing that T-shirt that said "Nazi punks fuck off"? That was weird. That was 
<laughs> I don't even think that like that's the thing. It's like we that's a cliche now, right? Yeah. But at the time there weren't even t they invented the t shirt. Right. So you know what I mean? It's wild when you think about it. Yeah, uh, Dimitri, I uh, I have to go. I'm afraid to say I have to get going in a, in a few minutes because of um, of course family time. No, but uh, are there are, are there any topics that you that we have not covered? <laughs> there was not a, a, a as I think like when I when I pitch you this really you know this this is going to open all sorts of doors for you this 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 broadcast. But you know there it, it's not pegged to any kind of event or a thing. But like, is there is there mm-hmm. anything you're super excited about these days that you want to mention that you're into or you're part of? Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you what I'm into and I'm part of. Yeah, here's what please. I'm excited about. Yeah, I'm excited about going outside. Yeah, I mean, here it's it's already getting cold and everything, but mm-hmm. in like, I just realized yesterday it's like it's. I I'm actually between a lot of work right now i mm-hmm. i'm unemployed at the moment and it's just very easy to sit in my yeah. room and stare at the screen all day yeah um because there's nothing forcing me out of my home and mm. it's very very bad for my for my emotional health so mm. one thing i've been doing this week is getting outside more and let me tell you folks it's fantastic go outside if you can. <laughs> so Take john hodgman recommends the outdoors all right that's my plug that's one of my plugs okay anything Some else of the work that i was involved with that has come to a close yeah for the for the moment is the second season of a cartoon that i made with our friend david reese mm. called dicktown is on hulu if you have hulu cool uh, we have it's a it's a it's an adult i mean it's not a pornographic but there's yeah. some swear words but it's a it's a cartoon where I play a sort of grown-up Encyclopedia Brown who still solves mysteries for teenagers and is just <laughs> kind of stuck in life. And yeah. David plays my former high school bully who is now my uh, my hired muscle and driver. And it's a mystery show. It uh, probably borrows a lot from The Mousetrap in ways that I don't even think of. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're real proud of that. If people want to take a listen to that, I, I podcast and stuff. I have the Judge John Hodgman podcast, but mostly uh, my my pre New Year's resolutions, as they often are around this time of year, mm-hmm. is uh, uh, um, get outside and engage with uh, engage with more p- p- things that I can do in the. Or- I couldn't get outside. I mean, I could I couldn't get outside and into rooms for a long time. Yeah. Um, because of the ongoing pandemic. And in yeah. particular, over the past several months, I've had a small role on a, a different Hulu show, or a, a, a comedy musical called Up Here, which will come out next year sometime. Hmm. And so while everyone was taking off their masks and throwing all caution yeah. to the wind, I was still totally wrapped up because I couldn't get, I couldn't risk getting COVID and, sure. um, and, and bring, bringing the production to a halt. But uh, now, with masks and precautions and all of the all of the boosters available to me, I, yeah. I just went. I just went to a. Pl- I went to go see the Tom Stoppard play Leopoldstadt. Oh, nice! Um, on Saturday, and I thought it was incredible. And you know, the play itself is terrific. Terrific. I mean, it's terrifically sad and powerful yeah. and good. But just like going out and doing a thing is good. I mean, it's like uh, New York city isn't a center in the same way that it may have been of culture, but it sure was amazing to get up on a Saturday morning and get a cheap singleton ticket to a Broadway show, take the subway in and go like it was like, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of touch the world a little bit. 
Yeah, I'll I'll be passing through probably in November, and I'm I'm very tempted to buy a ticket to see uh, what's his face do Death of a Salesman, uh, the guy from The Wire. Oh, Bunk from The Wire. Yeah, doing Death of a. That's very tempting to me, like as a as a thing to stop in New York for. I gotta remember that actor. I can never remember. Oh Wendell fuck. Pierce. Wendell Pierce, Pierce. Yeah, great, great actor in many things, but uh, I'll always remember. Yeah, that's for the a wire, good. That's but... a good one. That's a good. That's that would be a good ticket to get. I think. Yeah, and they're they're gettable. I looked it up. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, if, you, if you're willing to spend the money, you can buy a ticket. Yeah. Or if you have the money to spend. But let me take you to lunch at uh, Shopson's uh, next time you come through. I'll let um, you know. It you know if if you're in, around in November, I may hit you up. I got no. I got nothing. I got literally nothing. My my acting job is done. My cartooning job is on oh. on hold for the moment, and um, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, this is what I signed up for, and I enjoy it so much. Is I don't know what's going to happen next year. I don't know what I'm going to do. And uh, do you think you'll write another book? I don't know if I get an idea for it. I'm in a I'm in a sustaining moment, yeah. which I really like right now. That's cool. The podcast helps me to yeah. keep a hand in. It's be it's very creative, creatively and personally rewarding, and you know helps and keeps me afloat. Um, we're thinking about going on tour uh, oh, for nice. the first time in several years, which yeah. will be interesting. And um, you know, I I've been. I don't know what I don't know. I'm gonna. I like having a job where I can decide what I'm gonna do that day and yeah. see where it takes me, rather than just have to plug along and never mind grow. Never mind yeah. grow. <laughs> I mean, well, it's it's I'm just good. Happy to be here. It's good that we solved capitalism in this hour and a half. That's <laughs> we figured it out. We cracked the code. <laughs> it's no good. I mean, on the one hand, job done. I don't I mean, it's you know, it's like <laughs> I, I'm a sole proprietor. Like I make a thing and I sell it. Yeah. I, I think there's you know people will pay what they want for it. I, I I think that there's an there's an honesty and an integrity in that kind of capitalism. Yeah. But the uh, but the kind of capitalism that affects our lives in myriad ways is um pretty pretty fucking pernicious. So uh, don't don't let it get you. Don't feel shame. because capitalism is designed to make you feel ashamed for not being wealthy and wealthy people really love to make you feel ashamed for not being wealthy because they make the the sin of confusing wealth with virtue every day and they have to because if they if they didn't lie to themselves and say i'm smart and good because i'm wealthy yeah they took that lie away they would be staring into a a self-abasing abyss that they could never survive and maybe that would be better all right. Well, on that note, Dimitri, I'll let you know when I'm in Chicago again. Now, since we're moving around a little bit, and um, one in one way, one place or another, I hope we get to see each other in person soon. I do. I do too. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks so much for doing this. I appreciate it. Thank, thank you. I always enjoy talking to you, and I'm sorry it's been quite a while, but we'll do it again soon. I hope. Of course. Talk to you later. I'll talk to you later. Bye.